The privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. I'm Adrienne McDonald and welcome to the Mindset Strategist Podcast. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back. Welcome if it's your first time to the podcast. Today, I want to talk about narcissism. Now, over the past decade especially, the term narcissist has been increasingly thrown around at every turn. Oh, he's a narcissist. She's a narcissist. My ex is a narcissist. I was abused by a narcissist. Covert narcissism is even referenced on Taylor Swift's latest release in one of the songs. Terms like no contact, gray rock, gaslighting can be found on every social media platform in plenitude of references. And like most things, there's some good information out there and there is some bullshit out there. Today, though, I don't really want to talk about gaslighting, no contact, or gray walking. I want to take a different look at narcissism. And I think that looking through this different lens will give you a different perspective and insight into manipulative behavior, both in others and also within yourself. We all have the capacity for narcissism. In fact, a little bit of narcissism can be considered healthy. But how is that possible? Well, in Shelley Taylor's work, for instance, um, her research outlined that looking at yourself and th- the world through positive illusions, is what she called it, could be considered perhaps a, a bit of healthy narcissism. Having a bit of self-enhancement or optimism bias may lend itself to a person being overall happier, taking more risk in life to achieve more, better relationships, because if you're thinking that your partner is a little bit better than average compared with a more objective view, your relationship tends to be better. You also may feel a little bit more special because you're with a special person. Now, I use the word spectrum of sorts because on one end of the narcissistic spectrum, you may have someone who has no sense of specialness or uniqueness at all. And that can be problematic because it can lead to issues like depression or overall sense of self-identity issues. These people don't really have a voice of their own. Compliments unnerve them. They, they don't want to rely or ask for help from anyone. And Dr. Craig Malkin calls these people and uses the term echoist, pulling from the Greek myth Narcissus. On the other end is someone who has an addiction level drive to be special all the time. And this is where the people that we know that have narcissistic personality disorder live. Now, we all know people, and at times in our own lives, we have may have been and felt self-absorbed and or joke about, hey, right now it is all about me. However, that comes and goes. That need for specialness it doesn't last, right? Now let's talk types of narcissism. Most people default to thinking about 
the grandiose person. They tend to be more extroverted. They're loud and boisterous. They want to be the center of the tension all the time, every day, 24 hours a day. These people are super easy to spot. If you're talking to these people, they generally don't listen well, and the conversation always goes back to them about them. And also that part of the conversation always puts these people in a good or a special light. The covert narcissism, or narcissist also called the vulnerable narcissist, that those are much more difficult to spot. First, they're much more likely to be introverted. They shy away from the spotlight. And what makes these them different from people like low on the spectrum like an echoist is they still feel internally that they in some way are superior or special. There's an underlying anger or resentment a lot of the times that they feel like people aren't recognizing the challenges that they're having and these people are not recognizing how special they are. And these people usually always have a story of what's going wrong in their lives. It is never, ever their fault. Um, And they usually can take anything and make it about them and how it's affecting their life in a negative way. it's, It's impressive how well that can be done. But they're not as easy to spot because initially they're not giving you a lot of data and some of the circumstances from an outsider can appear very, very real. And then we have the third, and this is someone I really don't hear a lot about. It's the communal narcissist. These people are not focused on standing out as much as they are about becoming the ultimate giver. They believe that they are the most helpful person on the planet. They feel superior about it. They uh, think that no one else is as helpful as they are. This is the person that gets really angry. If you go get help with someone else and you don't go to them first, Um, or that if you give it to a charity, but it's not the one that they're supporting, and or if you're in their mind, they think that they're superior to you because they're doing all this volunteer work and they're shaming and guilting you for not. Those are that type. Now, as I said, this is a spectrum and most people go up and down during different times and events of their lives. Where the issue comes in is when the person stays in the high ranges. As I said, A lot of people throw the term narcissist around a lot now, but the truth of the matter is a lot of the people that other people are talking about would not meet the diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. Now, if you've ever been in a college-level psych class, you've probably taken the NPI, um, which is one of the tests, and there's another one now, it's an NSS, but the tests are only one component for a diagnosis by a clinician. However, a person that does not meet that criteria for a a clinical diagnostic uh, narcissistic personality disorder, that does not mean that they 
a person can't still be exhibiting high trait narcissism and be very damaging and very toxic. And all of these, all of these types, all of for these high trait narcissism, they all have an underlying theme. They have a strong aversion to criticism. They uh, want to avoid feeling dependent on anyone. It's particularly with like covert narcissism, you can go and help the person, but it's never enough. There's a black hole of help there that's never going to be filled. It's easy to understand that how people can get sucked in in those particular cases. Now, entitlement exploitation and unempathetic are all hallmarks of high trait narcissism. When a person has all of those going at once, again, very easy to understand how people around them are just pawns in their game. And I'll also note here that people that are referred to psychopaths are always narcissists, but however, not all narcissists have psychopathology. So it's not surprising that certain jobs attract certain people that fall higher on the spectrum than others, like politicians, some of the performing arts, CEO types, celebrities, to name a few. Interesting to note, on the lower scale, librarians. So I think we do need a lot more librarians out there, y'all. Now let's talk nature versus nurture. I have found, I've never found any data that people come out of the womb with a high trait narcissism. However, there is some research that suggests that perhaps some of us may have, we're just a little bit more prone than others. However, like many components of our personality, our belief systems, our childhood sets us up on the scale. So narcissists and Echoists are created. They aren't born that way. They are created. And at the heart of this, the needs of the child were not met or the child had to get their needs met by way of manipulation. And there is a fundamental attachment problem that carries into adulthood. Now, high trait narcissism depends on the version, depending on the version, requires extreme control. Now, how that manifests, the control manifests, varies depending on what version of narcissism we're talking about. But even when it seems like they don't want it, in the case of covert narcissism, oh, you decide. But then they manipulate you into the answer that they want. There's, there's Manipulation is the name of the game. There's always an emotional distancing, and sometimes even that is hard to put your finger on, particularly when you're dealing with a covert narcissist because they seem emotionally involved. Sometimes that looks like putting their their targets in a worship state, like, oh, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. I can't believe how special you are. You're amazing. All of the things. They have a way of making you feel like you're the only person on the planet because that's how they feel and they're projecting that on. And by you feeling that way, that must mean that they are that much better. And again, it's not about 
the person being great or special. It's that their own need of feeling special. I'm going to make this person feel special because if I do that, then I'm even more special because they're with me. Now, have you ever been to family gatherings and everyone is catching up, but there's always that one person, that one person that is commanding everyone's attention and has to one-up everyone on their accomplishments. Or on the other side, someone, you have people that are in a crowd that are playing, my life is so much worse than anyone else's. That was more my family. Let's not one-up each other on accomplishments as much of this is the shit I'm going through, and it's so much more worse than your shit. And that's a, it's like a feeding frenzy when it happens. Another common narrative out there is that narcissists have zero empathy at all, and they can never change. And that's actually also not entirely true. Narcissists have, even MP, people with MPD, have the capacity for empathy, unless they also have psychopathy, psychopathic tendencies as well, then those people that by, that by the nature of the definition is empathy is not there. But people that have MPD, they can change. However, it's much more rare because someone with MPD is very unlikely to seek help unless they have a major event happening. And this is true for not just people that meet that diagnostic criteria, but people that are on the spectrum that just have high trait narcissism. They they generally will not seek help until some shit goes down, right? So that is like a job loss or a death in the family or an illness or a relationship breakup. It generally has to be something really major because that gives that person an opportunity to do some soul searching and pause. And I should also point out, this is not something that you really can take meds for, like the class A personality disorders. It's behavioral type therapy techniques that are required and that takes commitment and work. And that's why you don't see a lot of them going and getting help. Now, why is it so hard to leave someone with high-trait narcissism? Well, because these people are masters at manipulating emotional responses. So you may question everything that you're thinking because you're on a constant emotional roller coaster. Because in the narcissist's mind, nothing is ever their fault. Everything is always going to be the person, the targeted person's fault. However, a good indicator for seeking help is when you feel like you're being abused in any way, whether that be emotional or a physical element or both, and the person won't even consider having a conversation about their behavior. There's huge, huge red flags. Human behavior overall in the best of times can be very complex. Destructive human behavior is even more so. One thing, though, some of the things that can be hard to spot, particularly in covert or communal narcissism behavior, a lot of it can be hard to spot. But the one thing that is not hard to spot is energy never lies. It simply does not. It does not lie. It never lies. I will die on this hill. There's very few hills that I will die on. That is one of them. 
but it can be very subtle. It can be so subtle. And when you're in in the midst of it all and your trust in yourself is being eroded or has been eroded, which is a hallmark also of being a targeted person of a narcissist, the more self-trust you have, the more grounded you are, the less likely you will be targeted because these people go after soft targets. Now, that is another reason to really work on yourself and your personal development and your spiritual practices because it just makes you more resilient against these things. Now, most all of my clients have had extensive experience with someone in their lives exhibiting high trait narcissism, either with it just being high on the scale or actual MPD. And usually in the course of conversations, someone always asks, do these people realize what they're doing? And I believe the answer is complicated. Um, yes and no. They they know that they feel inwardly superior, but the brain is really great at justifying our behaviors. And you may have a person that's slightly up and down the scale feeling a little bit of shame and guilt, and but the, at the end of the day, that still doesn't excuse their behavior. If they have full-blown MPD, a lot harder for them to understand the implications of what they're doing because they're they're constantly justifying this behavior in their mind. And it it's just not your job to save them. It's their job to take accountability and work towards being a healthier human. And I always say you're not responsible for what was done to you, but you are responsible for dealing with it so you can move on with your life. And part of that may be getting to a place where you understand the behavior and also what made you a vulnerable target. And it also can put your, yourself in a, a little bit more of a compassionate place, especially if the person that you were dealing with that had this high trait narcissism happened to be a parent or someone in the family that you're, you know, you're like, I don't understand why they're like this. Again, it doesn't excuse the behavior. And it doesn't um, make uh, it okay to not have boundaries, etc. And if you were in a longer-term relationship with someone, you're more than likely having to rewire your nervous system because being in a relationship with someone that has high-trait narcissism, it it's it's going to dysregulate you. There are um, also energetic entanglements that come with these types of relationships. So when you're healing from them, you really need to come from a place of a true clearing of the body, the mind, and the spirit to really fully heal. Um, Because it just involves all of those things. Now, Here are some uncomfortable truths that I don't see talked about. If you were raised in a highly dysfunctional or toxic environment, you learned how to survive that through out-manipulating your manipulator. To the degree the environment was toxic became the degree of which you became manipulative. And this narcissism scale I've been talking about plays into that. If you believe that one or both of your parents had high-to-rate narcissism, 
then I encourage you to look at your own behavior. Remember, narcissists are created. Echoists are created. And this is a multi-generational curse of sorts. So it, it perpetuates itself. I talked about the drama triangle last week, and high-trait narcissism can throw that drama triangle into freaking overdrive. And I mentioned, also mentioned that doing the work to pull myself out of the drama triangle is probably some of the hardest work that I have ever done. And some of the core of that work was rooted in examining my own behavior. And I said uh, there was a lot of victim mentality mindset in my family, a lot of high trait covert narcissism in my family. And I started to really examine my behavior through that lens. And um, again, therapy gave me great coping skills. It wasn't until I found and and started coaching with my 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 coach and going to these emerging retreats that I looked at things a little bit deeper, sort of the root cause type thing. And I started looking about where did I feel the need to feel special? When was this popping up? And, and where was it that I needed and was requiring external validation? And when did I get really resentful when I didn't get it? Where was the entitlement showing up? Where did I feel misunderstood? And then diving deeper into examining the root insecurities and then diving even deeper to examine the sadness, the shame, the guilt, the fear, the disconnection. Because I will tell you, if you're in high trait narcissism, you're not connected to other people. That It's that disconnection that it, it, there's an emptiness to it. And how did this manifest in particular situations for me? Learning how to slow down my thinking helped. Paused when I was feeling any of those things like anger, resentment, entitlement, the urge to... Because I became very conscious of my manipulative behavior. And that is something that's... It's not pleasant (laughs) to sit there and go... God, I'm being a manipulative bitch. Um, it, it's hard. The, the, this is part of the work that people call shadow work or dark side. It was beyond coping strategies. It sucked a lot of the time, and I still continue to do it, like, even today. But it was necessary because if I had not done it, um, A, I would not be able to do what I do for a living very effectively and ethically. Um, And now I have this level of peace that I didn't even know was possible. It it was interesting how some, not that long ago, somebody asked me if I was at peace. And I think I could honestly answer for the first time in my life that yes, I'm actually at peace. Are there issues going on? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's life, people. But there is a calmness and a, a just a sense of harmony with the, the world in general, the universe in general, that I've just never had before. I am far less judgmental. 
um, and far more, it's a lot easier for me to be compassionate. Yeah, do I have my days? Like, again, human. But the sense of peace overall and happiness is just been, it's just amazing. And there is a pervasive belief right now that we should avoid being uncomfortable or in uncomfortable situations and difficult conversations. And some of that is being dressed up by saying safe space or the old give everyone a trophy so no one loses type thing. The sense of entitlement has been running rampant. Um, I want to be treated the same, but I'm also different, but I'm also special. It's very interesting to watch from this lens. But again, the avoidance to feel uncomfortable, it's it's counterintuitive to me because facing our discomfort, facing our fears, that is the only way to get through them. Our minds hold us in the place of stuckness until we resolve whatever issue we're facing. We are biologically and psychologically and energetically wired to do that. So... I really encourage you to take some time and think about your uncomfortable feelings, your insecurity, where entitlement, your own sense of entitlement shows up. Where do you find yourself lacking empathy? And how are you justifying it in your mind? Because, man, that can give you some really great insight. Where are you projecting judgment onto others? And if we do this, maybe we can take a little bit more of the unhealthy narcissism out of the world and replace it with a little bit more connectedness. Speaking of connectedness, I look forward to connecting with you all next week. If you found this helpful, I'd appreciate you sharing it out. Um, if you are finding the podcast interesting, I hope you have subscribed, maybe even leave a review. Uh, everything is much appreciated and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Mindset Strategist podcast. If you'd like more information, check out my website at www.adriannmcdonald.com. 